Welcome to episode five of the Unperfect Podcast, where more of my kids' antics launch today's topic, which is a hot one, a road not talked about enough in my opinion, and that's how to navigate our thinking when our kids abandon our family values. So I'm your host, Shelly Sneed, and I help others see glimpses of God's glory among the imperfections of their lives. If you have ever struggled with measuring up to an unattainable standard or have wondered where is God in the midst of less than perfect circumstances, you are not alone. Hope and maybe a little bit of humor are on the horizon. So kids have a way of exposing our pride, don't they? And often in very public arenas. So for those of you that don't know me personally, I'm a white adoptive mom of two children from the African country, Rwanda. And despite our efforts at celebrating ethnic diversity around here, they've still grown up immersed in a mostly white world. We live in a rural suburb of North Carolina, and they're definitely minorities here. So I'll never forget the first time I took my son to an African-American hair salon. He was probably seven years old. He sat in the chair, looked around in awe, and then blurted out, much too loudly for my comfort, look at all these black people. Here's where all the black people are. Now, y'all, there was no rock for me to crawl under. Believe me, I looked for one. I was mortified and so embarrassed. And maybe that was the start of my realization that, along with needing some more diverse friendships— Pride had no chance of surviving my parenting journey. About 10 years ago, my husband was asked by a pastor at our church if we would teach a class on parenting. Now, we were barely treading water right then in the season of parenting that we were in, and he was getting ready to start a new job. So without even asking my opinion, he wisely declined this offer. And we often joke that we didn't teach the class because we were waiting to see how our kids were going to turn out. But in reality, our hearts were burdened then by fears, really, of how our kids' current issues would play out in real time. And these fears were deeply rooted in our own pride. We made a lot of we statements like these. We'll teach a class after we are assured everything we have done produces responsible spiritual adults. Or we will be vulnerable with others, but only if and after things turn out the way we want them to. Now, granted, credibility is important when you're teaching anyone, but I can no more control my child's behavior and decisions than I can hide under a rock in a barbershop. Influence, yes, but control, no way. Sometimes I lack the humility and faith to truly believe that the outcome depends on my child's heart and my God's hands. Our children's behaviors and decisions are theirs alone even if they do reflect some of ours. Thankfully, God is bigger than our influence. What He can do and in and through their lives is grander than any plan I could ever have. So God calls us to share His Word with them and provide them with opportunities to grow in it, but it's their choice to obey. And that is such a freeing truth. Y'all, Scripture is full of great parents with less than obedient kids. Samson's parents, they set him aside at birth to be God's instrument, but he made so many poor choices before finally surrendering his will and his life for the glory of God. James, he shared a mom with Jesus, but he didn't even believe who Jesus was until after his death and resurrection. 
So we as parents are responsible for doing what we know is right, but the yoke of our kids' choices does not rest on our shoulders. Their growth or their lack of it isn't solely dependent on my parenting wins and losses. Thank goodness. God's Word clearly states that we plant and we cultivate, but He alone makes faith grow. That's from 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So my parenting failures are never beyond the reach and redemption of the perfect parent. And one of my favorite quotes ever is from a book I read about a year ago called Doing Life with Your Adult Children by Jim Burns. And in it, he says this, It may be too late for prevention, but it's never too late for redemption. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back because it's so, so good. It may be too late for prevention, but it's never too late for redemption. Because let's face it, our kids are going to surprise us constantly. I like to imagine that I'm somewhat of an expert on my four kids, and that's a claim they would probably all four fiercely deny. But just when I think I have them figured out, they go and surprise me. And some surprises have been amazing, like watching my son receive an award I had no idea he was up for, or videoing my daughter completing her very first front handspring when she was little, something I had no idea she could do. So there I am caught on the video screaming like a crazy person because I was so excited and delighted for her. But some surprises are not so amazing. Like the time I was sharing a bag of popcorn with two of my kids when they were much younger— And I didn't realize this, but after they would come over to me and grab handfuls of popcorn, which I was eating along with them from the bag we were sharing, they were heading back out each time to play a game of let's throw dog poop at each other. Yes, I cannot make this stuff up, guys. This was my life for over a decade while they were growing up. Sadly, though, we are sometimes surprised that after we've done our best to share the amazing love of Jesus with our kids and how to remain in that love by obeying the foundational truths of His Word, they choose to reject it or are apathetic about it, which, I don't know, may actually be the same thing. So we end up playing this role, what I call the prodigal mom. And I feel like we have two choices or two responses when we find ourselves there. So the first one is we can mourn at the foot of the seemingly unsurmountable mountain that is standing in front of us. I've been there for years, stuck in depression or fear or frustration. Or we can begin living in the glory of the one who awaits us at the summit of that mountain. Now hear me say this, and I've said it before on this podcast. I am not minimizing pain or grief or lament. There is a place for these things. It's biblical. Read the Psalms. Read some stuff Moses said, Elijah, Job. Heck, you can even read some stuff that Paul said, where he pleaded and begged for God to take away his thorn, where he had moments of being in despair. But the thing is, he didn't stay there because even while his body was wasting away in prison, he knew and had faith in the God who not only creates mountains, but can throw them in the sea if he desires or enable us to climb them. So today, I want to leave you with three things that renew my faith in the fact that even if this mountain never moves, God is still a sovereign, faithful God wanting everyone to experience the abundant life He offers. Number one, this is a strategy. I will never stop praying. And I know that sounds cliche, and I also know it's hard, and it gets old. 
As I'm recording this podcast, my pastor's actually in the middle of a series he does every year called 21 Days of Prayer. And he challenges us to focus on the one thing we want God to accomplish so we can spend 21 days of concentrated prayer on that thing. So one of my children's names instantly came to mind, and so did this thought. The thought was, I am really tired of this always being my one thing. Wouldn't it be nice if we could choose our hard, our trial, our one thing? Yeah, but we don't get to do that. So my initial reaction is always like, ugh, here we go again. But I see too many times in Scripture where persistent prayer either changed the outcome or it changed the prayer, the person who was praying. I learned this from the persistent widow parable in Luke 18, that God will not put off His people who cry out to Him day and night. And I learned from the hall of faith listed in Hebrews 11, that even though most of these faithful men and women never got to see the fruit of their prayers and work, it was credited to them as righteousness. So I pray without ceasing, not just for the benefit of my kid, but for mine as well. Number two, this is another strategy. The Word of God is my only hope. So if I'm not in it regularly, meditating on it, praying through it, listening to the Holy Spirit speak, I am more inclined to despair over the fate of my kids' choices. So I've accessed the use of a variety of healthy interventions, but the most heart-changing and unwavering encouragement I've received in this particular journey has been from corporate and private times of Bible study. In chapter 119, the psalmist says that God's Word revives the soul, rejoices the heart, and enlightens the eyes. And he says, because your testimonies are my meditation. It's what I'm thinking about. It's what I am focused on. And I like to think I know why I've been prone to neglect it regularly in the past. So here's a little story that will kind of illustrate it. For years, anytime I asked my kids to clean a bathroom or sweep or mop, they immediately asked this question, oh, are we having company? Well, clearly this says a lot about my cleaning consistency, which is non-existent. But I also find myself saying, no, guys, it's because we live here. We don't just need to clean when company is coming, although that has been our mantra for a while. We also need to clean because we live here every day. And I think there have been times that I've gotten into the habit of just being in the Word at church once a week, that old company scenario where I get comfortable smacking away at yesterday's bread. I'm kind of apathetic about gaining new insights from God's living and active Word because I've read it for so many years. I must know it all. But maybe it seems stale today because it's not today's fresh bread. As Peter said to Jesus in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So I never want to lose my longing for the fresh word of God daily in it, how it can impact my beliefs, my thinking, my attitude, my everything, especially my hopes for my kids. And number three, this is just a plain truth that we have all heard before. Jesus loves them more than I do. And this is not just another platitude. If I'm holding on to my kids so tightly, it's going to produce undue pressure. Like, I'm the only one that can save them. I got to hold them loosely so that the one who loves them and chases after them more fiercely than I ever could 
can pull them closely to his heart. I love this quote I heard from a speaker, Dan Leanne, when he spoke to our students recently. Love is measured by how much pain you will endure for another. So many of us mamas have sacrificed a great deal of time or money or emotions or even careers to help our kids grow, to help them heal from trauma or just to come to a personal faith in Jesus. But guys, Jesus endured the cross excruciating, humiliating, and agonizing pain to bring my kid to repentance, faith, and abundant life. I can trust His heart for them, and I can trust His ability to do it, because He can do immeasurably more than all I could hope or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. So I hope you found some encouraging words here today, or at the very least, maybe you feel better about your house cleaning habits after hearing about my lack of them. But I also pray that you will extend the same grace to yourself that God extends to you. Looking back, it's 2020. You most likely did the best you could with what you knew. So today, in this fresh new moment, let's entrust our kids, our grandkids, our friends' outcomes to the author of their lives, who has never finished writing a story until his kid comes home. Thanks for joining me today on the Unperfect Podcast. So today I've got a free resource I'm so excited to share with you. It's called The Unperfect Promises of God. And these are five biblical meditations to encourage you as you're living in the now and the not yet that I've talked about here on this podcast. So just check out the show notes for a link and that printable download is yours free. You're welcome. Yep, that was from Moana, by the way. Excellent movie soundtrack. Also, if you were challenged, blessed, or humored by today's episode, would you please be so kind as to leave a quick rating and review? I promise it'll be fast, but it'll help other unperfect people like us find the podcast. As always, if you're not sure how to do this, ask a teenager. They know everything. Seriously, they really do know everything about technology. Check out the show notes for a list of scriptures and quotes you heard today, as well as a link to my website, www.shellysneed.com. That's Shelly with no E at the end and Sneed with an E-A. So when in doubt, leave off the E's. And links to a couple of blog posts that go along with today's topic if you'd like some of this information in written form. You can also subscribe to receive a bi-monthly newsletter from me straight to your inbox. How about that? So take a quick look at the show notes for all that yummy goodness. I'm praying for you to have a blessed week and that you're able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time.